0: You're listening to Opening the Tent, Stories of Jewish Belonging, an original podcast produced by the NYU Bronfman Center for Jewish Student Life. Our season finale guest is Rabbi Dr. Nikki DeBlasi, who has served the Bronfman Center community for the past eight years. She spoke with us about learning to accept and embrace what makes her different.
1: I converted to Judaism, and that whole process, I think is unique because it made people ask directly questions about my identity, like, why did I choose this identity, did I know that there was anti-Semitism in the world, so why would I choose to be oppressed, was a question I directly was asked um, by a Jewish person in my synagogue. Well, I sort of had, there were two sort of camps of reactions, the community I was in before was the queer community, that was my queer and feminist community was my main way of connecting to something bigger than myself. Um, before I converted, and those people were saying, but, but isn't Judaism another one of those religions that's sexist and homophobic, and so why would you do this to yourself, was kind of the question, and I had to sort of explain that there are different denominations of Judaism, that there are different ways that people navigate their Judaism within what the rules are, um, or what the rules are perceived to be, or what the rules are in particular communities, and that like this was meaningful to me, and that the form of Judaism that I had chosen was an LGBTQ-affirming, welcoming denomination and then the other reaction was from Jewish folks really from my in-laws and I and I'm not saying this to like disparage them because I understand now why they're asking these questions I didn't then um which were sort of like well but we're not religious so why would you be all religious (laughs) Uh, like we're culturally Jewish you don't have to like do this whole thing for us (laughs) or people who were saying well why would you convert reform aren't they like assimilationists and shouldn't you have like a better conversion um, and it really ranged, um, from, from those reactions. But I mean, I remember, um, I remember really the whole process of leading up to going to the mikvah and everything and feeling like, when am I going to feel like I'm definitely Jewish? And I think it took a long time after that. I think like I had an adult bat mitzvah and cause like, of course I did. <laughs> yeah. I had an adult bat mitzvah and I had, and I invited my family to come and that was like really, um, really very stark because it was people who saw me in a different way now watching me like like I led practically the whole service and like my parents um what if my parents were part of the ceremony in like a um a way that like non like they read in English during stuff and then my in-laws came up to have like an aliyah to the Torah and that was like oh like I'm one thing my family's a different thing and I belong yeah that was like a real stark moment of um insider outsider-ness My mom directly asked me if I was gay when I was, like, 18 and a freshman in college. Fun times. Um, So I was out since, that was probably 1995, the fall of 1995. So I've been out to my parents since then. I've been living in New York since 2002. I've been with my now wife, but I've been with her since 1998. So, like, they know her, her, and they knew that she was Jewish from, like, day one, and that she's not you know, that, that there was, I think there was always sort of a, a, a fear around that. Like, oh, is, is it going to mean that she, Nikki has to convert? Uh, I don't think they ever thought that, like, I would desire to convert, right? Like, <laughs> which is totally how it happened. But um, but so when I, and then I moved here, and, like, my sisters both live still in the Boston area. So, you know, it was sort of, I was like the goody two-shoes kid, and then all of a sudden I was making all these decisions that were very different than what my parents expected. And my dad would tell this joke. So he'd say, oh, um... You know, so you became a lesbian. I think I've been pretty tolerant. I'm pretty good about that. And I'm like, Dad, like, let's unpack all of the things you just said. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm a good dad about it. Uh, you, you know, you became a new Yorker. It's not that far from Boston. You can take the train to come visit me. You know, you became a Jew. It's a beautiful religion. Just don't become a Yankees fan. <laughs> and, like, so right, like, he's funny. He's a light kind of guy. He doesn't like to talk about things that are hard. Or he didn't like to talk about things that are hard. But he wanted me to know... Like, yes, those things were difficult, right? It was difficult to think of, of, of me, for him to think of me in these ways. Uh, and I remember once when he came to watch me lead services, there was a synagogue in the Massachusetts area um, that he found because it was near his work, so he was thrilled. He was like, I saw this sour form. It's called Shia Tikva. I was like, yeah, it's a song of hope, Shia Tikva. Um, and he introduced me to the rabbi there, and the rabbi was like, if you ever want to, like, practice by, uh, you know, helping to lead services or leading services when you're visiting your parents. It was a very generous rabbi, Rim Merowitz, amazing guy, um, great mentor. And so I led services once there, and my parents came. And that was also a big deal because that was the first time, you know, if my bat mitzvah was the first time they saw me as a Jew, this was them like seeing me as a rabbi or a potential rabbi. Um, and my dad died before I was ordained. So like he never saw me as a rabbi except at that time. And he, you know, it's hard for them. My mom, when I came out to her, was like, what about Jesus? I was just like, I don't know, it was like like very low on my list of things to worry about when coming out. Um, So they definitely, I think they understand um, community, tradition, and religion. And so they were just like, okay, you know, we'd prefer you to be the same as us, but you're not, and so that's okay.
0: Rabbi Nikki reflected on various moments in which colleagues and community members questioned her Jewish identity and how the Brockman Center became a place where she could be her whole self.
1: I I feel more outside of the tent as someone who chose Judaism than as a queer Jew. Um, Because I mostly run in circles where queer inclusion is at least the ideal, if not actualized. Um, But when I go to, for example, when I go to a conference, um, it is inevitable that someone will see my last name on my name tag and be like, oh, are you so, um, that's, what, a that last name? Is that a Jewish name? I get a lot of, is that a Jewish name? And I usually go, it is now. Um, because, it, and it makes me feel bad. Like, like I'm a, I'm an ordained rabbi and like, I'm, I have a legit job, you know, and I still feel like people are saying, oh, you're here. That's interesting. Like, why are you here? But I just, I just feel like when someone says, oh, that's an interesting last name, it highlights for me all the things that I wish people didn't notice. And I think lots of Jewish people feel that way, right? Like lots of people feel like if everyone else knew that I don't know what page we're on, if everyone else knew that I'm reading the transliteration instead of the Hebrew, if everyone else knew that I've never seen Harry and the Hanukkah Goblins, which apparently is a children's book or that I that still haven't read, um, then I shouldn't be here. But if you asked, every single person in the room has felt that way at some point. You know, like Abraham doesn't do that. I mean, I think it's very. I think it's great that you that you choose Abraham in this open tent as the metaphor for this series, because in the story where Abraham is at his tent and like the angels come and he, he doesn't ask them who they are, right? He doesn't say like, oh, are you Jewish? Like he doesn't say like, oh, like who, wh- what village are you from? Like he literally invites complete strangers in without requiring them to like announce who they are and like put their name on a name tag. When I applied for this job, I was a fifth-year student in rabbinical school, so about to be ordained. And rabbinic placement is, like, a real ordeal. And I was told by some folks in the administration, I think because they were trying to protect me and shape my expectations so that I wouldn't be devastated and think that I wasn't valuable as a person, um, that it w- might be hard for me to get a job if I was out. And I was just like, I don't know how to be in. Like, I, I, By that point, I was married to my wife of many you know we've been together for many years we had a kid already then uh everything on my resume is like queer whatever you know like in this this HR human rights campaign i'm like should i just not put any of the things i've done on my resume and they also said that some male senior rabbis might not want to hire um, a woman who was younger than them who had more education than them so i i both went to harvard and have a phd like, oh, maybe you shouldn't emphasize that. What am I not going to put my education on my, right? So, and, and I have a very um, angry attitude of like, well, I don't want to work for those people if that's the attitude. Um, and so I, you know, I thought, well, maybe I really do need to think about where, where I'm going to work. So my final year of school, I, I, uh, I was applying for internships and there wasn't an internship here. And I sent Rabbi Sarna my resume and an email and you know, I was like, this is what I'm interested in. This is what I'd be able to dedicate. He called me in for an interview the next day and he offered me a job on the spot. Wow. And that, I mean, that was, like I usually cry telling this story, cause his complete trust in me was like, I can see on paper that you have something to offer, you have a unique perspective, you're an intelligent person, you're committed Jewishly. Um, you know, he was persuaded by my argument that there are lots of reformed Jews and lots of LGBTQ plus Jews here and what was happening on this campus was tiny or non-existent at the time. And he was like, yeah, do, do you want this job? I like, yes, I do. And then I asked him if my wife and kid would be, like, allowed to come to things. And he was like, well, I wouldn't be your wife's boss, but, like, I would hope that she could come to things. Because part of the job is to model what it means to be a Jewish adult. And, you know, this is part of being a Jewish adult. And, like, that is so matter-of-fact. Like, it wasn't, like, on a very special episode of Jewish Community, the gay people, you know? It was like, oh, part of how you show people how to be Jewish is that you're Jewish all the time, not just at work or at Hebrew school. This year at Parents Weekend, there were... Um, A bunch of orthodox parents who very specifically um, addressed me as rabbi and like told me that they valued what we do here which i think is really impressive that on both sides on any denomination that people see that what's valuable about the Prophet center is allowing everyone to be their whole selves which means parents whose kids are meeting people who are different than them like they want that right like they're if 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 you didn't want to meet people who are different from you then you wouldn't go to nyu um or you'd be really miserable (laughs) here like pretty much immediately Yeah. yeah
0: As Rabbi Nikki concludes her time at the Brofman Center, we want to thank her from the bottom of our hearts for encouraging us to be our whole selves and continually reminding us that you never graduate from a family. We wish her the very best and will miss her dearly. This episode was produced by the Beehive Story Collective at the NYU Brothman Center. Thank you to our Beehive interns, Talia Barton, Rachel Bell, Rachel Fadon, and Hazel Williams for an outstanding first season. We look forward to sharing more stories with you next season on Opening the Tent.